it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Torella. And I'm your better, prettier, younger host, Tori. We're sisters who are obsessed with true crime and love gal palin with you about cases. You can expect the occasional curse word, lots of friends quotes, and all the 90s nostalgia. To get in on the conversation, check us out at KillerQueensPodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at KillerQueensPodcast. And we're on YouTube at KillerQueens, a true crime podcast. Okay, y'all, grab your Capri Suns or your Surge and let's talk about some true crime. Hey, you guys. Hey, guys. We're finally doing an Unsolved Mysteries one. Gross. Oh. I like the show, don't get me wrong, but you know how I feel about Unsolved Cases. Oh, they hurt my heart. Yes. Okay, okay, so. yeah. And this is the remake of Unsolved Mysteries. We're not we're not covering it like a doc jam. It's just there is an Unsolved Mysteries on this one. Yes. And it is part of the, I don't know what they call it. They don't call them seasons. They're like. They call them volumes. Volumes. Yeah. So it's yes. volume one. It's volume episode one. four. I think so. It's called No Ride Home. Yes. Yeah. Thanks to Jennifer Ralston Smith for suggesting this case. Absolutely. And I'll go ahead and do a little trigger warnings here. So we're going to be talking about murder, hate crime, racism, and description of human remains. So if any of that is unsettling or you don't want to hear a case about that, no worries. We will absolutely catch you on the next episode. Totally. Thanks to Madison for writing this one up for us too. Yes. Yay. We love it. So let's do a little background or overview. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So on April 3rd, 2004, 23-year-old Alonzo Brooks left his home in Gardner, Kansas and told his mother Maria he was headed to a party with friends. This was the last time she'd see her son alive. Less than 24 hours later, Maria tried to file a missing persons report on her son in Lacing. Oh, I think it's Lacing. Lacing, Mm -hmm. Kansas, about an hour away from their home. Alonzo's friends who'd given him a ride to the party, somehow left without him. And it was at a party in a small town where he was one of only three people of color in attendance. 27 days after Alonzo went missing, his family found his body on a creek bed not far from the farmhouse where the party had been. Strangely enough, his body wasn't hidden and the area had been searched multiple times before with no signs of Alonzo. His manner of death was initially ruled as, quote, undetermined and closed by the KBI, stating that there was no evidence of a homicide. Alonzo's family has continued to fight to prove that he had been the victim of a hate crime and that his murderers are still walking free. Ugh. All right. Well, before we jump in today's, into today's case, because we got lots of thoughts mm-hmm. about that, uh, we want to let you know that we've got even more content over on our Patreon. And um, if you don't know, Patreon is a service that allows you to provide monthly financial support to your favorite content creators, such as us. Oh. And it's a win-win. So you get bonus episodes and you get to help us keep producing great content for you. Oh, yeah. So tomorrow, our murder mixtape drops and we're covering the murder of Jennifer Bastion. She was murdered at 12 years old and her case was similar to another murder in the area. And the police investigated them together to the exclusion of separate or of suspects in one if they didn't match the DNA in another. So they were very laser focused on these were similar totally cases. Together. Yes. Yeah. But fast forward decades and forensic genealogy saves the day and turns what investigators thought they knew completely upside down. You guys, it's wild. It is. You got to check it out. So that drops tomorrow. And then on Friday, we drop our fifth installment of the uh, docuseries that we're covering right now on Doc Jams. And we're in the middle of Heist, which tells the story of ordinary people who almost get away with extraordinary heists. And this week is part one of the Bourbon King heist, where this guy, Toby in Kentucky, gets his friends to help him steal the world's most expensive bourbon and triggers a media-savvy investigation. There's steroids. 
Yep. There's a lot of gollies. Golly. Yeah. If you want to hear some gollies, you want to come for this one. It's it's <laughs> wild. Pappy Gate, never heard of such. <laughs> and of course, Sunday, we drop our weekly catch-up episode. We lovingly call it T to the fourth power Y, time to talk to you, otherwise known as the titty, mm-hmm. where we just gab about life. We talk about what's going on, fun stuff, all kind. I mean, you, we never know what we're going to talk about. It's crazy. Literally, you never know. So head over to patreon.com slash killerqueenspod if you want to get bonus episodes. And once you join, you don't just get like what we're releasing this week. You also get the entire backlog of like, what is it up to like, it's over like 400 bonus episodes mm-hmm. that you could binge right now. So oh, yeah. you get lots of good stuff. And if you want to make sure that you never miss an episode or an event, join our email list. So that's killerqueens.link slash email. And we actually have really good reviews on our emails. People love it. We do like a weekly 90s thing. We share some, you know, more personal content in there too. So check it out. Yes. So let's get on to the case. Let's do it. Alonzo Tyree Brooks was born on May 19th, 1980 to Billy Brooks Sr. and Maria Ramirez. Alonzo, who friends referred to as Zoe, grew up in Topeka, Kansas with his mother, Maria, and his four siblings. So that's one brother and three sisters. And Alonzo was the baby. It seemed like there was a good age difference between him and his siblings because he was always left out, you know? And it was like, they were like, well, he's a baby. He can't do this or he's too little for this. And we're all going and doing this thing or whatever. And he always wanted to be included, but he couldn't because he was just so young. Despite wanting to be like his big brother and sisters, Alonzo's jealousy never lasted long. He was a sweet, kind, playful young man who got along with everybody. His sister, Demetria, described him as a loving brother. He loved to play football, basketball. He rode bikes. He was a really active guy. It seemed like Mm -hmm. he could just like walk onto any sport and play it. Mm -hmm. You know, catching and throwing balls, all those things. Yes, kicking balls even. Kicking, yeah. Sliding, he might have been able to slide. I don't know. It's just like, there's so many things that people can just do. And I'm like, if you get a ball near my face, I will die. (laughs) I will die. Heart instantly stops, yes. Yes, I will pass out. He and his best friend, Rodney English, would build bike ramps in the middle of the road and jump off of them on their bicycles. And he talked about, uh, Rodney talked about one of the favorite games of theirs that they would play in their front yard was called King of the Hill. So one person would stand up on the top of like a mound of dirt or debris or whatever. And the other one would just try to knock them off of it. It's like American Gladiators. Yeah, so funny. And then whoever stayed on top without falling off was the King of the Hill. That's just such like a, I can see my boys doing something like that together, you know? Right. It's extreme. Yeah, where like you and I, when we had extra time or whatever, we played um, like doctor's office and we'd set up a desk and I mean, this was all me, I guess. You probably didn't care about the paperwork. I wanted the paperwork to be right. I wanted like... Yeah. Or we would spend a lot of time drawing out blueprints for our bedroom. Yeah. Always with like a little window. What do you call it? Like a window seat? Mm -hmm. Like, Uh, Yeah, I wanted a window seat bad. (laughs) And like we would, yeah, just because we shared a room. So we'd try to figure out like, how can we rearrange our room and have all of our blow-up furniture like in the right spot to make it feel like an apartment? That's what we wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Alonzo's sister, Felicia, said that her brother was a neat freak. He always had to be clean. He like always had his clothes ironed and he had to have that like crease in the right spot. Like Mm -hmm. very, very put together. His favorite color was red and he was often wearing red and black. His friend said that he usually had on big boots and he would always wear a beanie, but he would pull it down like over his eyebrows so you could just see his eyes like peeking out. <laughs> and like they showed pictures of it in the Unsolved Mysteries episode. And it's it was funny like hearing somebody describe it and seeing the pictures of it because it's spot on. Like that's mm-hmm. how he liked to wear his beanie. It was cute. Billy Jr., Alonzo's older brother, would tease him and wrestle with him. And Billy said he wanted to toughen up his baby brother and make sure he could take care of himself. You know, he's like, you have to, you know, you got to make sure that like people know you're tough and they can't walk all over you. And he was like, you know, Alonzo was a really kind person and he worried that people would take advantage of that kindness. So he wanted to toughen him up. And his mom was like, leave him alone. He's a baby. baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When Billy Jr. turned 18, he left the family home in Topeka, and Alonzo and his mother moved to nearby Gardner, Kansas, which was about an hour southeast. Alonzo graduated from Topeka High School and started working for Countryside Maintenance in Gardner as a custodian. 
Now, Gardner was a little bit different from Topeka. Topeka was more of an urban area. Gardner was kind of that slower on country time, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of place. Would you call it a bedroom community, you think? Because, you know, it's... (laughs) If Murfreesboro is the bedroom community of Nashville, would Gardner be a bedroom community of Topeka? I don't know. I guess so. I'm still not sure how to use that term, but I see it often. So it's used often. Yes. I'm throwing it in there. But it was a big adjustment for the Brooks family. You know, it's just a very different environment, but everybody said Alonzo had no problems making friends. Like he immediately kind of made friends, had that group of people that he liked to hang out with, and he was enjoying life. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, April 3rd, 2004, Alonzo told his mom that he was going to go to a party. His mom asked him what party he was going to. And even though Alonzo at that time was 23, he was still Maria's baby and she wanted to know where her son was going to be. You're damn right. You live with <laughs> me. You're going to tell me where you're going. Well, and also, I don't think, however old you get, you'll always be your parents' babies, oh right? Gosh, so I know. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So Alonzo told her that a guy was leaving for the service and they were all going out there. Later that evening, Alonzo's friend, Justin Sprague, arrived at his home to pick him up. And Justin said he didn't remember exactly how he heard about the party, but another friend, Daniel Fune, said that someone called him and told him about it. So they decided to go. So Daniel said that he didn't remember Alonzo going to a lot of parties, that he typically hung out with his friends in small groups. And Daniel also said that he wasn't super close with Alonzo, but his brother was good friends with Alonzo's brother. And he knew that Alonzo was a very talented football player, and he was just an easy guy to get along with. Justin said that he remembered Alonzo putting on two pairs of socks before they left, and his mom said it was because he needed support since he'd hurt his ankle recently playing basketball. So Alonzo was dressed in blue jeans, a t-shirt, a sweater, a beanie, and boots. And Alonzo said bye to his mom, and they left the house with Justin driving the car. The party was 47 miles away from the town of Lacine, and it's about an hour away from Gardner. This has to, okay, this had better be a good damn party. To drive 47 miles to a town called Lacine, yeah. Yeah, because like, I don't know, I feel like, because we... Uh, this this uh, setup a little bit feels familiar. We used to, like, we live out in the country, so the kind of parties we went to were like country kind of parties, typically. So, you know, it, they'd be in a silo of a barn or, you know, just out just in a field yard. or, yeah, yeah, whatever. So, I don't know. I guess when we used to drive out to Tullahoma, that's about how far we drove to go to those. Because I was like, why would you drive 45 minutes or an hour to a party, but never mind. I did that like every weekend. Yeah. So well, and when there's nothing else to do, yeah, there's nothing else to do. Yeah. So I was like, God, this, golly, this golly, better be like a good party. But I guess when you live in the middle of nowhere, that's just how far you got to drive to get to a party. Yeah. All right. I take it back. <laughs> you stand corrected. Yep. So Lacine was a tiny town in the middle of the country and basically had a few gas stations, but not much else. The house where the party was taking place was off a country road down a very long driveway, and behind the house was a small creek. There were a few people standing outside when the boys pulled up, and as soon as Alonzo got out of the car, he yelled, who wants a beer? So it was clear that Alonzo was ready to have some fun, and he didn't have any reservations about not knowing many people at the party. Mm Alonzo's friends later said that everyone at the party seemed a little bit younger than Alonzo. Like, they were mostly between 16 and 21 years old. Do we know how old his friends were that he was with? Yeah, I don't know. I would guess that they maybe were a little bit older because they made a big damn deal about Alonzo being older than everybody. They yeah. weren't like, we we were all older than everybody there. Right, yeah. It, 
Yeah, it seemed like Alonzo was the oldest person there. Yeah. And 23 and 21 is not that big of a jump. No. So the party was full. Some people were playing flip cup and other drinking games. I'm guessing um, beer pong, things like that. Yep. While other people danced or just hung out. And Justin remembered that Alonzo seemed to be having a lot of fun. And he had immediately jumped into some of the games. So when their other friend, Daniel, arrived, he saw a few people from Gardner, but mostly he didn't recognize her. You know, he didn't know as many people there. Right. It seemed to be more of a country type group there. And another friend, Tyler Brofhard, sure, said that their group of friends just wasn't really like that. So despite the different atmosphere and crowd, all of Alonzo's friends said that he looked like he was having a great time. Tyler sat down with Alonzo for a bit and they took a few shots. And then he walked away to talk to someone else, but turned back around to see Alonzo was arguing with another guy. So Tyler said that Alonzo and the guy were right up in each other's faces and they were shouting. Tyler quickly runs over and was able to defuse the situation. And the town that the party was in was a heavily white populated area. Some of the partygoers had a problem with people of color and being that Alonzo was half Mexican and half black, he seemed to be the target of all of that. So Tyler said that he thought that Alonzo might've been the only black person there, but reports later said that he was one of three people of color. So still, Alonzo didn't seem to be bothered by all of the racism that night. He was just enjoying the time. That's according to the people who left him at this party too. Right. You know, so, because that, I mean, that just seems, even if you don't know him, I don't know many people that would like go to a party and then essentially be attacked, Mm -hmm. you know, like that. And then be like, that's fine. I'll We can stay here. I'm having a good time anyway. I just won't worry about that. Like, yeah, you're going you to feel unsafe at the very least. Or uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what that felt like for him. But like you said, I mean, he only, it seems like he only really knew the people that he came there with. And, you know, some yeah. of the other friends that showed up. So it's like, he's in this huge group. And they talked about the size of this party was, it was pretty big. Mm-hmm. It was like 40 to 50 people. So there are a lot of people that he did not know. So I could just, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that worked for him to just be like, because Alonzo seemed to, he's very kind. I'm sure understanding, but you should, racism and bullying and hate, there's no reason, you shouldn't have to be understanding of that. No. But that's a lot for, I cannot even imagine. I just don't see it. Him being like, no, everybody, everything's cool. Everything's fine. I'm fine with this. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So after being at the party for about an hour and a half, Tyler got a call about another party. So he and Daniel decided to leave the Lacine party and head to the other one. And they said goodbye to Alonzo and they left around 11 p.m. So they just leave him there. Justin was still there. And they assumed that since Alonzo rode to the party with him, he'd also be taking him home. So outside, Justin had smoked his last cigarette and he came inside to find Alonzo to ask him for a cigarette. And Alonzo told him that he was out too. So he was like, hey, Justin, if you go to the gas station or wherever to get some, can you grab me a pack too? So Justin, reportedly both drunk and high, he leaves his party or leaves the party and he's driving his vehicle with a friend and he he was supposed to turn left out of the driveway, but he turned right. And then he says he got lost and he ended up driving about 30 minutes north of where he was supposed to be. He said that then he got his car stuck and he called a friend who was at the party and this friend's name is Adam. So he told Adam that he had just gotten lost. He was trying to get his car out of a ditch. And Justin said that he could hear Alonzo in the background while he was on the phone with Adam. And Alonzo was like talking shit and laughing about how Justin had gotten stuck. So Justin said that he asked Adam if he could give Alonzo a ride home. And Adam said, yes. So after talking or taking about a half hour to get his car out of a ditch, Justin and the friend reportedly decided to not go back to the Lacine party and surveillance videos at a gas station corroborated his story along with the ATM where Justin withdrew $200. And then he and that friend decided to go to a strip club where they were eventually kicked out and then they just went home. So the thing about all of this though is that Justin never told the police that stuff. Like, no. When people started looking into, you know, where Alonzo was and they were asking, you know, when's the last time we saw him, blah, blah, blah. Justin doesn't tell anybody that he left with somebody. He said he makes it sound like he left by himself to go get cigarettes mm-hmm. and that, you know, he took a wrong turn and blah, 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 whatever. He doesn't mention anything. I don't think about going to the strip club. Like, no. 
And he also was drunk and high, which he also did not report to the police because he didn't want to get a DUI. Like, mm-hmm. I understand on one hand, you know, it was like an, he was 18 at the time, by the way, I just looked it up. I understand as an 18 year old kid just being stupid and not, you know, you're like, well, I'm going to omit this because it's going to get me in trouble. Maybe. But at the same time, it's like, grow up. Your friend is missing. Mm-hmm. We need to give the police all of the correct information. But, but, you know, he said that his car got stuck, but he, that's not the, like, he told Alonzo's family at one point that his car broke down and he had to fix it on the side of the road. And he didn't tell the getting stuck story and that was it. Yeah. There were multiple ways that the story was told by him to different people that just seemed very, very suspicious. Well, and that paired with the fact that Justin was the one who brought Alonzo. So you would think... And you're, yeah, an hour away from home. Right. You would think that... I mean, I've definitely been to parties or been out or something and people that I came with were like, hey, I'm ready to leave. And I was like, no, I'm not ready to leave yet or whatever. You Uh know, I mean, it has happened. But this is a completely different situation. And after Justin gets stuck and then gets his car out of this ditch, right? You go back and you get your friend. You go back and you get your friend. Yes. Too bad that it took you 30 minutes to get out or whatever. And maybe because it's not like he was so tired that he just had to go home. He went to the strip club after. He was still doing stuff. Yeah. You go back and you get your fucking friend. And if, if he was like, hey man, I'm out of cigarettes. First of all, bum from somebody else when you're that far away. This You're not in a place where you can run to the store real quick and come back. Right. I mean, so that, that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, that essentially to me says that what's going to happen is he's not going to go back to the party. Because exactly. if you have to drive an hour to go get these cigarettes, are you really going to drive an hour back to go to the party? Exactly. Like, you're leaving for the night is what you're yeah. doing. And yeah. Even if he had gone to Alonzo and been like, hey, man, I'm going to go get some cigarettes. And Alonzo was like, cool, grab me a pack, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't believe that happened. But it's like you said, Justin knows how far he's going to have to go to get cigarettes. So probably he's not coming back. So maybe he maybe he went to Alonzo and said, hey, I'm going to leave and I'm going to get cigarettes while I'm out. Yeah. In that situation, like you said, sometimes you're like, "Okay, I'm not ready to leave yet. But you would all arrange, okay, well, here's how I'm going to get home before your ride leaves. So you'd be like, Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to go yet. And then this Adam person is here. And, you know, Justin would be like, well, Adam's, you know, staying. Let's see if he'll take you home. You would, you would work that out before Justin leaves. Mm -hmm. You should. Yeah. I think Justin just left. Mm -hmm. I don't think he talked to Alonzo at all before he left. And I don't know that it was necessarily nefarious. It may have just been he was being stupid and selfish and an 18-year-old kid and was like, I'm ready to go. I'm going. Well, and now, hindsight, he feels incredibly guilty for doing it, probably. So he's got to make up the story to make himself feel better in some way, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, this is why I couldn't go back. I, was gonna, I wasn't going to leave my friend there. I would never leave him there. I was right. going to go back, and then here's what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I just— It's messed up. It is messed up. It is, because— especially that far away. It's not like, it's not like you're at a party, you know, when we used to, when I would go visit Andrew in downtown Knoxville and like, you're at a party at this house and all you have to do is walk down the street to get back to your house. Like, right. Fine. Leave your friend all day long there. That doesn't matter. But like, you're his ride there. An hour hour and a half away. Or yeah, an hour away. Also, Rodney, who like, is Alonzo's best friend growing up. Because remember, they just moved to Gardner and met these people. So Justin is like a new crowd for Alonzo. These are Mm -hmm. not people he grew up with or whatever. But Rodney was like, there's no way in hell that Alonzo was going to go to a party an hour away, completely full of people he didn't know. Like, he he just said that didn't make sense to him. And he said that Alonzo was kind of introverted. Like, he didn't have trouble making friends necessarily. But he wasn't the kind of guy to just go to parties where he didn't know a, another soul, you know? Well, and we talked about that earlier. He liked a small group of people. Exactly. Yeah, and Justin even said that, or, or whichever friend it was that said that. Yeah, he usually, I didn't usually see him go to parties. So why is he, why in this night, on this night, is he overwhelmingly comfortable? Not only comfortable with people that he's never met before, Comfortable with people he's never met before who are being very derogatory towards him. Yeah. And none of that is getting under his skin. In no way does that make him want to leave. It doesn't make any sense. Like, Rodney thinks he had to have been passed out to even get there. 
because he's like, he would not have gone to a party in the middle of nowhere an hour away with a bunch of people he didn't know. Mm -hmm. And certainly wouldn't have stayed there on his own. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. Nope. Hey, you guys. um, It's us again. Yay, it's us. We threw threw you for a loop on this one. (laughs) Uh, So we know that a lot of you have been asking like WTF, where are episodes one through 44? And guess what? Now you can have them. So let's just remember though, we need you to take a little caution here. We didn't know exactly what we were doing back then. And we started this podcast as just a fun thing to do as sisters. We had no idea that it would grow into this super awesome club with you guys. So what we're saying is the audio wasn't super amazing, but the content is 100% us, just being us and talking about some true crime with 90s flair. Okay, so here are the details. You'll be able to access our, what we're calling OG episodes in your favorite podcast app through a private and custom RSS feed link. So to grab that, head over to killerqueens.link slash OG and snag episodes one through 44 today. That's killerqueens.link slash OG. So the next morning, Sunday, April 4th, Maria got a call at home asking for Alonzo. So she went to look for him in his bedroom and she noticed his bed hadn't been slept in. And it didn't appear that he'd come home. So she starts yelling his name, thinking, okay, maybe he's just, you know, in another room or maybe he's down in the basement, you know, whatever. But she can't find him anywhere. The friend on the phone said that maybe Alonzo had stayed at a friend's house. And Maria is like, no, my son comes home. You know, this isn't right. There's something going on. So she asked this friend, call everybody he knows and see if they can find where Alonzo ended up. So after that, all the guys who'd gone to the party with Alonzo the night before were made aware that Alonzo didn't make it home. And so they're calling other friends, trying to figure out who had seen him last, where he might be. Justin heard that Adam thought, you know, because Adam was like, hey, Adam's still there. He can give you a ride. Okay, cool. Justin heard that Adam had thought Alonzo had already left or had just missed him. So he also left without Alonzo. You guys. Why? Yeah, why? Like, get your <laughs> shit together. Like, if you know that you're supposed to be bringing somebody home, and again, we can't just walk home from here, you don't fucking leave till you find that person. Well, right. And Alonzo couldn't have walked home by himself anyway because he had hurt his ankle the day before, exactly. a couple yeah. days before. So, yeah, even if he decided he was going to walk 47 miles. Well, yeah, Maria said that he had been limping on it. So, there's no way that he's just going to set off on foot exactly. 47 miles. Yeah, exactly. He's been limping. Like, yeah. So back in Topeka, Alonzo's friend Rodney gets a call from Maria and she told him what was going on and that they couldn't find Alonzo. So Rodney gets down to Gardner and he and some of the Brooks family met up with Alonzo's friends from the night before and they all went to Lacine together. And like we said, Rodney had never met these people before, but he just didn't trust them because he's like, how do you go to a party with your friend and everybody leave your friend behind? Like, yeah, in a different town. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. So Justin took them to the old farmhouse in Lacine where they all started walking around and they were looking for any sign of Alonzo. They checked the wood line to see if Alonzo was like passed out somewhere, maybe sleeping off the alcohol. Maybe he'd fallen and he'd gotten hurt. Rodney crossed the street from the farmhouse's driveway and just off the side of the road, he found a boot and a hat. And it was Alonzo's beanie and one of his boots. Not too far down the road was his other boot. And Rodney said none of the items appeared to have been hidden. They looked like they'd maybe been like thrown out a car window. And there are varying reports on exactly how these were found. Were the boots together? Were the boots separated? You know, all that kind of stuff. But near each other, all these items are found. As they were looking at their friend's boots and hat, wondering where he might be without them, Some guy rolls up on a four-wheeler and he tells them they need to get out of there. And immediately, Rodney knew that something was wrong. And you can even see in the Unsolved Mysteries episode, and he says, like, he's uncomfortable being... In that area. In that area, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's bad. Like, Lacine was not a city that was known for any type of diversity, not known for any type of acceptance of other races. 
And Justin just kept telling Rodney that Alonzo was having a great time when he left and he didn't know of any race issues going on that night, quote unquote. I don't believe that, not one little bit. No, no. Like, Justin would have had to have been blackout drunk (laughs) at that point to not have known. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the way that it came across with people getting each other's faces and people, you know, you could, if you have ears, you can hear it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, if you have hearing, you can hear it. I don't understand how he didn't see it because it seems like tensions were high at this party. Everybody could feel it. Yeah, everybody could feel it. And if this isn't a tiny little farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, I can't imagine there's 200 people at this party. Right. You know, but that's, that's another thing about this case is it's very unclear how many people were there. It's very unclear who all was there. Mm-hmm. Like, how many people live in Lacine? It's no bigger than your mom is Jack Russell. Why can't we figure out who the fuck was there? I have no idea. Yeah. It's just ridiculous, but mm-hmm. it's all very unclear. And the fact that either Justin and this, you know, group of boys don't know hardly anybody there, they, but they had to know somebody or how the fuck did they get the address? Yeah. It's in the it's middle like of you nowhere. just stumbled upon it. Yeah. Yeah. So you knew at least one person there, but... Okay, if you didn't know a lot of other people, I get it. But there's got to be a way that we can get to, you know, the person who gave you the address, they've got to know some of the other people there. Like, why can't we get a head count of who was there? Mm-hmm. Unless either they genuinely only knew, like, the one person that gave them the address or they're not listing people to cover for them or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't either. So Maria goes to the police station and she wants to file a missing persons report. And they told her, of course, she's got to wait 48 hours. And she's like, well, fuck that. So she gets in touch with her other children to let them know that they can't find Alonzo. And they all said, like, as soon as she said, he didn't come home last night and we can't find him, they're like, something's seriously wrong. He is not the type of person. You know, there are people who might, go off for the weekend or, you know, and not contact their family. He's not like that. This has never happened with him. So they knew something was wrong. Right. And that's what really shrinks my hat about the police being like, well, it has to be 48 hours. Like his family is going to know Mm -hmm. something is wrong here. Yeah. Something's really wrong. So Billy Jr., Alonzo's brother and his wife, Cindy, immediately drove down to Lacine. And they were able to get in touch with the owner of the house who said it was a rental house. Here's another thing that's not clear. Was anybody living there at the time of this party? We're not quite sure. It's just... Mm -mm. And they actually, like, they went to the house and they said looking from the road, the farmhouse was, like, completely surrounded by fields. And then to the left and back, there was a creek that was lined with trees on both sides. And Cindy said that she looked through the windows of the farmhouse, but it looked totally empty. And she said it didn't look like, you know, a big party had been there just the night before. Like, where did everything go? You know, they didn't stay up extra late and clean all that shit up. Exactly. Where did everything go? Unless Mm -hmm. something happened and they had to clean it up. Well, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. I mean, anytime you go to, especially with young kids like this, they all said that everybody was younger than Alonzo. So we're talking about 16 to 21. When you're that age, if you're just partying, you pass out, like surely to God, a bunch of people passed out there. You would think. When you party out in a field or in the middle of nowhere, you're going to end up staying where you are. Mm -hmm. So, because otherwise you got to drive really far. It's not like, again, you can just walk to where you're going. So, right. You mean to tell me they all woke up early and, yeah, cleaned this house or something? Well, there's absolutely no way because let's, okay, you're playing flip cup, right? Beer's everywhere. Oh my God, beer's everywhere. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go ahead and mop, then sweep again, then mop again. You're going to have to do it. You have to you have to mop twice because yep. that shit is sticky. It's very sticky. And the whole house smells like beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just very strange. It's suspicious. Yeah. So they're driving through town and they said that people were just staring at them, like giving them stink eye. And when they got to the Lynn County Sheriff's Office to meet with Sheriff uh, Marvin Stites, he told them that Alonzo was just probably doing what kids do, and he'd just be back soon. Naturally. He probably just took off on foot, you guys, and was just, like, walking around. And they were, like, with no shoes on. Yeah. And a messed up ankle, and it had rained, and he's just probably walking around for fun? No. 
when officers say this kind of stuff out loud, I'm like, do you hear yourself? I know. Can Yeah. Do you not? What is happening? Yeah. One of the deputies, Paul Phila, said that he was told to go to the farmhouse because there was a report of a missing person. He didn't see any sign of Alonzo in the house. And he and a few other deputies walked the creek bed, but they didn't find anything suspicious. At the end of the day, on April 4th, Deputy Phila reported back that he had negative contact with the missing individual. And three days later, on April 7th, Alonzo's case was turned over to the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, or the KBI, with the Lynn County Sheriff's Office assisting now. Hmm. Within a few days of Alonzo having been reported missing, the KBI brought an evidence recovery team, search dogs, and a lot of people to look for any sign of Alonzo. An extensive search of the area yielded absolutely nothing. No signs of the 23-year-old. Investigators brought helicopters out to search the area from above, but again, they found nothing. Police were conducting hundreds of interviews trying to figure out exactly what happened on the night of the party. And many witnesses said that Alonzo was definitely the target of racial slurs that night and that many of the partygoers had problems with him because of what he looked like. So investigators were becoming increasingly concerned that Alonzo had been the victim of a hate crime. Then why, why do, why are we like, he seemed to be having a good time to me. Mm -hmm. Seemed like everything was fine to me. No, it wasn't. That story doesn't stick. No. No. Like, uh uh-uh. It's just, On April 12th, the Lee's Summit Underwater Rescue from Missouri traveled to Lacine to search the creek near the house. And the team was dispatched at noon that day and reported that the creek water was only about three feet deep at the deepest area. I mean, good. They need to extensively search it, but to call it an underwater rescue and it's three feet. (laughs) It's like when... um, Little John falls into the creek and he's like, I'm drowning. I'm drowning. And it's like, it's a puddle. Like, yeah. But I mean, I'm again, I'm glad that they extensively searched it. Yeah. But okay, so they searched with three men walking the creek and three men on each side of the creek to clear the debris. And at the end of the search, the crew reported that there was no evidence to indicate that there was a body in the creek. They told the sheriff that they'd be happy to come back out and search again, but they were not invited to do so. On April 15th, Alonzo had officially been missing for 11 days, and nobody was able to find anything, and no one was providing any information to indicate where he might be. And in addition to the countless interviews being done, investigators were also conducting polygraph tests, which, like, good for them, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yay. Yeah. (laughs) Alonzo's friends who'd been at the party were said to be giving the police all the information they had. Don't believe that. Including everyone they remembered being at the party. Police continued to tell Alonzo's family and friends that he probably got drunk, took off his boots, and started walking. It just doesn't make it, like, just don't, just say, I don't know. I mean, my God, just say, I don't know. Well, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Like, come on. Like, fuck off. Uh Uh-huh. Justin said that there was no way that his friend did that, that Alonzo's ankle was injured, like we talked about earlier, so he wouldn't just go walking. And even if he wasn't hurt, it was completely out of character for Alonzo to do something like that. Mm. Maria said by then that they knew Alonzo wasn't just staying at a friend's house. They knew something had happened to him. And she and the rest of her family continued to ask the sheriff if they could come out to the farmhouse and conduct their own search. And he continued to say, no, we're doing it. We're searching. You cannot help us. So Cindy said that they called the sheriff's office daily trying to get an update on what was being done in the search until finally the sheriff essentially was like, you need to calm down with calls. We'll let you know if we find anything. Yeah, we'll call you. And she's just like, okay. So on May 1st, 27 days after the party, the sheriff's department finally gave Maria the go-ahead for her and her family to conduct their own search of the area. The Brooks family gathered friends and neighbors who volunteered to help them search. And a volunteer said, you know, hey, there's this like white shed further back on the property that hadn't been searched yet. And it's not there anymore, I think, but it was there at that time. So after they split into groups, one group headed toward the shed, digging through the brush. And when they looked up, they find the body of Alonzo Brooks laying on the creek bank on top of debris and brush. His body wasn't hidden in any way, shape, or form. He was still completely clothed. The group called the police who arrived on scene, along with investigators from the KBI and the FBI to process the scene. Alonzo's body was examined by Dr. Eric Mitchell, a forensic pathologist. I'm kind of like a, I don't know. He's a weirdo. Put a pin in that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
He said that the body was decomposing, but still completely clothed. Personal items were still on the body, including his ring and the contents of his pockets. And it looked like there was money. I mean, there was a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of money. Like there's a lot of stuff that if somebody had been trying to rob him, they would have taken. So Dr. Mitchell reported that he couldn't find any evidence of penetrating injuries, new fractures, gunshot wounds, or evidence of sharp force injury. He said it's possible that Alonzo could have drowned but there weren't any specific anatomic signs to make that determination. He also said he could have been strangled, but the soft tissue in the neck area was no longer there because insect and animal activity had taken place during that time. So he's like, yeah, it's possible he could have been strangled. We just don't, we don't have evidence of it, you know? Mm -hmm. There were no foreign bodies found in the remains. And Dr. Mitchell said he was unable to determine cause of death or manner of death. So here's something that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. How is it that the FBI, KBI, and the Sheriff's Department, they looked in this area Mm -hmm. and they didn't see any sign of Alonzo, right? Mm -mm. But they refused to let the family come out and look at all. Do not look. This is an active crime scene. You're not coming out here. Go kick rocks. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean... They didn't bring the underwater people back out nope. to search the underwater rescue. When was Alonzo put here? And how long had he been there for animal and insect activity to destroy crucial parts of evidence? Right. Yeah. And in an article that I read, it said that there were maggots in, you know, inside mm-hmm. of his body too. And you have to be there. Like, it's not like he was just placed there that morning, you know, to your point. Like, there's animal activity and insect activity, like, all that kind of stuff. You have to, you have to be there for at least a a short period of time. But, but if the investigators are saying, we've been out there looking every day. Yeah. And they didn't find him. And he's literally hiding in plain sight. Like, yeah. he's right there, on, and nothing was covering him. He was on top of brush and debris. Yeah, and you could see it from pr- fairly far away. I mean, it's... They showed a picture. It was blurred out, of course. Mm-hmm. But you could see it. Mm-hmm. I mean... And if all your... Your job is to go out and try to find remains or a bot something, mm-hmm. and you miss the one thing that you're looking for, and it's right there, like, I don't get it. Exactly. Like, obviously... The body had been moved. I mean, that's what it seems like, but it seems like, because there's speculation of like, well, did he, like the pathologist was like, well, here's something, or, or maybe it was a police officer, but they said, here's what we think. Maybe he was in the creek further down. And then mm-hmm. when we got rain, it like loosened him from whatever debris and stuff he was caught in. And he, he went. He came to this area. But again, didn't they search the whole creek? Like, it's what they, it seemed like to me. And also, how wide is this creek? And it's only three feet deep. Yeah. Can his body make it all the way down? Like, it's not like rushing water. No. No. And and that's what the underwater rescue people said. They were like, if there had been a body there at any point, we would have seen it. The water wasn't very deep. And they had cadaver dogs. They had all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they had helicopters. They had all kinds of stuff. You would have seen that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And Billy also said was like, dude, he was not sitting in water that whole time because you you see the pictures of the items that they found in his pockets. Mm -hmm. That money is in perfect condition. We had pieces of paper and they didn't look because, you know, I mean, if you if if paper gets wet and then it dries, Mm -hmm. it nothing it did not appear as if he had been sitting in or floating in water. Mm-mm. Or that he'd even gotten wet. No. I mean... And it had rained since then, if he yeah. had been out there, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And nothing was wet. And Billy also said, you know, there are things that happen to a human body when they are in water, decomposing. They often get very bloated. There are changes to the coloration of the skin and things like that. And he said Alonzo looked, he almost made it sound like he just looked like he was sleeping there. That's I mean, what I got too. Yeah. yeah. And now he he had started to decompose, so I'm not saying he looked, you know. 
exactly like he was sleeping. But. Right. But as far as his coloration and the fact that like there wasn't all this bloating and there wasn't, I mean, you know, he's like, he wasn't in that water. He just wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like you would have known. Yeah. And he would have had to have been in the water for a month. Mm-hmm. You know, again, just no, he wasn't. So Billy believes, you know, that his brother's body was placed there. And he thought that after his family was given the go-ahead to conduct their own search, word spread that police were done looking. So somebody decided to leave the body there for them to find. I mean, that's definitely possible, but it seems like if you, like, why would you dump the body somewhere you know somebody's going to find it immediately? Yeah. Because that's just more evidence that somebody has to possibly solve the crime. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or maybe, well, maybe I mean, there are people who... They like to see it in the news and stuff, so I don't know, you know? But, I mean, the fact of the matter is they haven't solved it, so... Yeah, that's true. But if that's, you know, if that's the case, well, then where was he from April 4th to May 1st? Mm -hmm. So they thought maybe since his body seemed to be more intact than you would think it would be for being outside for a month, that maybe he had been put in some kind of, like, freezer somewhere. And Dr. Mitchell said that because of the decomposition. He's like, there's nothing you can... There's nothing that we have that will would let us know whether his body had been previously frozen or not. Mm-hmm. So there's just kind of no way to really know that. Hey, y'all. Did you know that we release an update all about us and what we're up to each week on our Patreon? It's called T to the Fourth Power Y, which is some time to talk to you, a nod to Not Another Teen Movie. And it's where we just gal pal with you about life, what we're watching, our love for Cracker Barrel Italian dressing. I mean, honestly, the sky's the limit. You never know what you're going to get, really. Mm -hmm. If you want to catch an episode without being a patron, you are in luck. Just head over to killerqueens.link slash tt. T-T-Y, okay, time to talk to you, four T's and a Y, and you'll get to hear a full episode for free. And you can get these episodes every single week along with every single regular release episode ad-free for as little as $3 a month. That's less than half the price of the coffee I get at Starbucks, so. I know, that's crazy. I know, what a deal. Mm-hmm. And for $10 a month, you get all that plus our other two Patreon-exclusive shows, Murder Mixtapes, which is a full bonus case each week. Recent cases are Tara Grinstead, Hannah Cornelius, and New York Body Snatchers, just to name a few. And you also get our other Patreon-exclusive show, Doc Jams, which is where we cover true crime documentaries episode by episode. We've done Don't Fuck With Cats. We've done Crime Scene on Netflix. They have Cecil Hotel and Times Square Killer. We've done The Jinx. We've done so many more. So be sure to head to killerqueens.link slash T-T-T-T-Y to get your free episode and hundreds more episodes to download right now and binge when you become a member of our Patreon community. In March of 2019, the KBI released a statement about Alonzo's death. They said that there was no evidence gained throughout their investigation to indicate that Alonzo was the victim of a crime. For this reason, they're closing the case. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Alonzo's family and friends are stunned. It seemed very obvious to them that he'd been the victim of a homicide. But my question is, if you don't see any evidence that he was the victim of a homicide, you can't find any evidence of that, but you also don't have any evidence that he wasn't, you have no evidence. Yeah, but like, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, why is it that you're like, it's absolutely not a homicide. It's 100% natural causes or suicide or accidental death, something like that. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way. And I was- yeah. I was actually talking to Miss KB about it last night and I was like, yeah, we're going to cover this case. And he asked me about it. And so I was telling him and I was like, yeah, he's 23. And the KBI was like, yeah, we can't find any evidence of a homicide. So we're just going to close the case. And he was like, so a 23-year-old guy with no shoes on just walks out to the creek and just dies. And everybody's like, well, oh, well. Like, Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen. No. Like, if you don't have enough evidence to say it's a homicide, but you also don't have enough evidence to say it's not a homicide, then why is the decision Let's air toward closing it and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. That means if you're not sure yet, you need to fucking figure it out because you yeah, you have somebody who has murdered somebody out. Yeah, but I mean, how many times have we talked about how important it is for the police to just close cases? They don't want any open cases like exactly. that. Exactly. They want it off their books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
very frustrating. Oh, yeah. In 2019, Kansas's district attorney, Stephen McAllister, decided to take another look at Alonzo's case. And he said that when the television show, you, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, made an inquiry about their, at their office about the case, he started to look up on it. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like, sure. that's a real convenient time to, he's like, I, I want to reopen this case. I mean, it's going to be, you know, on fucking Netflix and everybody's going to see it. But my motives are just to check it out. Well, that's neither here nor there, though. Yeah, exactly. Because he he planned to do it, obviously. Sure, it just he coincided. He just didn't get around to it. Yeah. And now, okay, now's the good time, yeah. Yeah. So not long after, McAllister requested that the FBI reopen the case. In regards to the initial investigation, McAllister said, quote, it just led to kind of, I think, throwing up their hands when they didn't end up with an obvious suspect. No shit. Yeah, I'm like, wow, profound words, McAllister. Kind of, I think. uh, Yeah. Yeah. In addition to issues with the initial investigation, questions had recently been raised regarding the practices of Dr. Eric Mitchell, who performed Alonzo's autopsy. So here we are. Take the pen out. We're talking about it now. Yes. There were stories from before when he worked, or before he worked in Kansas, that Dr. Mitchell, while working in New York, routinely removed organs from corpses and improperly stored them in his office, all without the consent of the person's families. Do you know what word I find most troubling in that sentence or in that whole thing? No. Before. Before he worked in Kansas. hmm He was basically body asked to leave New York. Yeah. Yeah. So why then does he get the job in Kansas? Well, you know why. Like, because the people in New York, and this is speculation, 100%, I don't know. But I'm guessing that they were like, we need you to do GFO. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to give you a good recommend letter of recommendation. Sure, sure, as long as you're just not our problem anymore. Please don't come back here, yes, because yeah. you're causing a lot of problems here. So That is very be gone. frustrating. Oh, of course it is, yeah. So the FBI agreed to reopen the case, even offering a $100,000 reward for information that led to a conviction in Alonzo's case. And in July of 2020, the FBI exhumed Alonzo's body from the Mount Calvary Cemetery in Topeka to perform a second autopsy. In April of 2021, a federal forensic examiner performed the autopsy and determined that the injuries or that injuries to parts of the body were, quote, inconsistent with normal patterns of decomposition. Alonzo's death was officially reclassified as a homicide, and these exact findings have not yet been made public. Hmm. It seems pretty clear to Alonzo's friends and family and now to the FBI that Alonzo was the victim of a hate crime. Soon after his body was discovered, rumors began to circulate regarding the events of the night of the party. The first consideration was that Alonzo's friends may have known more than they let on. Though most people don't believe that they had anything to do with their friend's murder, they think that they may have noticed a significant amount of racial tension at the party with aggression that was directed towards Alonzo. It's even suggested that perhaps his friends didn't actually get lost or stuck, that they may have left the party because of what might happen to them if they stuck around. I just don't understand why you would leave the most vulnerable person there if you yourself are scared. Exactly. That's that's pathetic if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Most of the widely accepted rumors have been posted to blog sites by anonymous users and then confirmed by others. So these are the following pieces of information that are often brought up but have not been confirmed by investigators. So one story is that Alonzo was flirting with a white girl at the party that night. Witnesses said that while there was already some tension at the party, this is what sent some of the guys over the edge and essentially gave them the fuel that they, you know, quote, needed to attack and ultimately murder Alonzo. There was also a second party going on nearby. At this second party, there was an altercation, which led some of the partygoers to the party at the farmhouse. Some reported that the people who joined the party just fueled the fire that was already going on between Alonzo and the other partygoers. So it's like they were causing trouble over here, so they left, and now they're going to come Cause trouble over here. Mm -hmm. The fight that Tyler recalled seeing where Alonzo and another guy were yelling in each other's face was not the only fight that night. Witnesses also said that racial slurs were being thrown around throughout the night, often directed at Alonzo. His friend said that Alonzo wasn't really letting anything like that bother him that night. But again, Rodney was like, absolutely not. How? (sighs) Now... I am not the kind of person who can hear something like this going on and not say something myself. Right. 
even if, let's just say hypothetically speaking, which I don't think it happened, but let's say that Alonzo was not, he wasn't bothered by it. I would be getting my ass into a whole heap of trouble, probably being like, you better fucking calm down and not say, you know, or let's leave. Like, I don't, yes. I don't want to be around anything like that. Yeah, let's leave. This is not okay. Yeah, because I mean, I have started some shit at a party once. I brought a friend of mine who was gay and they were making all kinds of gay jokes. And I was like, here's what we're not going to do, okay? Mm-hmm. And my friend was like, please don't make a scene. And I was like, no, like I'm not either we leave or they quit. Like I'm yeah. not doing this. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just bullies being bullies. And I just don't understand like these friends, even if like, Say you're at a party and somebody is doing some shit like this and you talk to the person and they're like, it's fine. You know, they're, they're being really aggressive and hateful and, and definitely demeaning. Mm-hmm. And, but you know what? It's not bothering me. So you're just like, okay, well, you got it handled. Fine. Like, yeah, and, and then leave that person? Yeah, and then leave that person there. Like, no, even if they're okay with it, it's like, you know what? Let's go somewhere else. This is not the environment we want to be in. And I damn sure I'm not leaving without you. Right. And also, guess what alcohol does in that situation? Mm-hmm. It only bolsters that feeling. Everybody gets their panties in a twist and everybody wants to start fighting everybody. I literally cannot even count how many times that like when we just used to like go to the bar or whatever, like you're walking through and a guy will accidentally bump into another guy because it's crowded (laughs) or whatever. And the amount of like, did you just fucking push me? You better back up. You know, like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> just because like, and w- you know, usually one of them is like, hey man, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to or whatever. And he's like, oh, I don't want to go. Like, it's just like all this toxic masculinity anyway. And then you're going to filter that through the lens of intense racism. Right. That's not a safe environment. No. One thing that I thought about, I, and I cannot remember the name of this movie. It had, um, I watched it on Netflix like a long time ago and it was like in, um, it was set in, I don't even remember, Montana maybe? Or nope, Wyoming, <laughs> Wyoming. It had Jeremy Renner in it. Mm-hmm. River, Wind River? I can't help you. I've never seen it. Yes, Wind River is a 27 neo-Western murder mystery film. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so this is something that it takes place on an American Indian reservation in Wyoming. That's where it is. So they find this girl dead. She's 18 and she's in the snow and she's almost naked. She's barefoot and she's just like in the middle of like nowhere. Like she's, there's nothing around, you know, she's like Mm -hmm. just in the middle of nowhere and she's frozen to death. Mm -hmm. And um, they're trying to figure out, you know, what has happened. So they're investigating this, but at the, and if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want a spoiler, then skip a few seconds ahead. But, um, I mean, it's 2017. So if you haven't watched it in five years, sorry. But what ended up happening was she was dating this guy and he, he was like living on, um, it was like these guys were out there doing some type of like work in the area or whatever. So they had like trailers where they all stayed there you know, to do this like construction work or something. Like a portable or something. Yeah. So she was dating this guy and he lived in one of those. And the other guys that he worked with came in and they had been like giving them a hard time about, you know, like being together or whatever. And these were just like real pieces of shit. And so they, there had been some tensions with like, just very like, they were kind of like sexually aggressive and they were like kind of getting into it with this one guy or whatever. Well, she was there that night and then like a bunch of them come in. They've been drinking, I think, and they get in a fight with him and they try to rape her. Mm -hmm. And so he, who's played by John Bernthal, love him. He's like, stands up for her, is getting in a fight with this guy's and he's like, run. So she takes off running as fast as she can. And she's running so far and that she ends up freezing out there. But they ended up killing the guy, too, and they buried him, like, somewhere up on a mountain or something, and they ended up finding his body frozen, you know, at another time. But I was thinking, like, okay, Alonzo was hurt, and he wouldn't have just taken off on foot Mm -mm. unless— Unless he had to run away. Unless he had to run away. Unless it got to the point where he he knew that something was happening, and he tried to get away— 
and they caught up to him, like, or maybe, you know, because he's running, maybe his shoes come off as he's running. Yeah. Something like that. But I think that, I don't know, it just, it kept reminding me of like that scene. And I'm just like, he knew something was going wrong and he tried to get the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. And obviously they caught up to him or whatever happened, but something happened. Yeah. And that absolutely. would be the only reason that he would have left on foot was to get away from a fight or an attack that he saw was coming. Yeah. That's a really good theory. But like something happened and like mm-hmm. there's, you know, the biggest theory and there's, you know, not any proof is that there's a Lacine family that's behind Alonzo's murder. There's apparently a specific family that people believe are behind it. It's, this is a well-known family. They are very well connected to law enforcement, reportedly. Some of the family members were said to have been at the party that night. People believe that they attacked and murdered Alonzo, then stored his body in a freezer until they moved it. Uh, Many people who are supposed residents of Lacing said that members of this family have bragged about their involvement in the murder. Disgusting. I it is, but there's just, why is there so much, like, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. Like, at the time of the party, there were supposedly four men that lived there, and they had gotten evicted either just before or just after the party. Mm-hmm. Why don't we know that information? Right. That's something easy. When did you evict them? Right. Yesterday or today? Like, yeah. You know, so people but think the, maybe this was their like last hurrah after they got evic- evicted. 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 Yeah. The thing is, and with all the cases that we cover, unless everything has been released with active cases and open investigations, we don't know mm-hmm. what we don't know. Yeah. And police aren't releasing anything, you know, so, or they're not releasing much. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like anybody has come forward with any concrete evidence because there's been no arrest made, you know, anything like that. Well, and there is there is really good incentive. I think incentive should be be a good person and tell the truth. Yeah. But there's also that $100,000 reward, so. I know, which is kind of a double-edged sword because you also get, like, once you, once you post a reward in a case, you start getting flooded with bullshit calls, which is— Everybody wants that money. Yes, which makes me just, like, so lose faith in humanity. Like, why would you call about a murder investigation, somebody who has lost their son, lost their brother, lost, you know, like, and you're going to make shit up to try to get money? Like, mm-hmm. it's awful. I know. But at the same time, it can also lead to, you know, be that thing because, you know, a lot of people think that anybody who either witnessed what happened or who has information is too scared to come forward mm-hmm. because maybe they've been threatened or something. Yeah. So maybe, a, you know, maybe a reward would be like, okay, well, but if they're connected to law enforcement, I mean, that's a, that's sticky. But you would think if you contact the FBI or the KBI, that should remove Go over that, there. right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but Alonzo's death has now been reclassified as a homicide. Alonzo's family are still hoping that they'll see the people responsible for Alonzo's death brought to justice. If you have any information regarding the murder of Alonzo Brooks, please contact the Kansas Bureau of Investigation or Alonzo's family directly on the Justice for Alonzo Brooks Facebook page. Now, my stance on unsolved unsolved murders and things like that, unsolved cases, hasn't really changed because it hurts my heart, again, too bad. I think that it's so important to talk about them, but it just, it makes me so angry because I'm like, somebody knows something. Exactly. Um, but that being said, I could talk about this for forever. There's just so much here to, like, what, what happened here? Why mm-hmm. this? What was this about, you know? Yeah, yeah. So hopefully... It's just been so long. Like, somebody come forward already. Like, somebody bust this wide open. This is ridiculous. 18 years. Mm Mm-hmm. He was 23 years old. Yeah. So sad. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, well, let us know what you guys think happened. Absolutely. And if you have any theories. Yeah, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening and we will meet you back here next week. Bye.
The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloan Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.